Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is episode 18, why authenticity always wins with Nick from the Scran Line. Hello and welcome to the Erin May Henry Show. I am your host, mentor and friend Erin and I'm here to teach you how to show up and feel confident to be unapologetically yourself and get paid for it. This podcast is all about personal branding and we dive deep into topics such as mindset, growing a global community, social media marketing and building your online empire. If this is our first time meeting, then welcome my beautiful friend. I am so incredibly excited to have you here. When I'm not podcasting, you can usually find me on my YouTube channel, all about business and mindset, hanging with my community in the May Collective Facebook group, or of course, drinking a wine somewhere down in sunny Australia, all of which you are totally welcome to join me. If you're ready to shake things up and step up to the plate as the game changer that you were created to be, then this is the podcast for you. So let's jump in to today's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another podcast episode. I'm so excited to see you here today. I always start these podcasts by saying I'm so excited. And even though it's true, I am really excited every time I sit down to a podcast. I think it's time I start with a new intro. But anyway, that's beside the point and I digress. I am bringing you an epic episode today. So I wanted to make sure that when I started interviewing on my podcast and when I was thinking about the people that I wanted to interview, I wanted to pull a very diverse group of voices so that we could hear not just, you know, from the amazing girl bosses in the industry who are coaches and consultants and freelancers, but from a range of different influencers and entrepreneurs from all walks of life. I really want different perspectives on how to grow a personal brand. And I really want to introduce you to some amazing people's journeys. So really that is what you're going to be expecting from me. I'm really thinking outside the box for who I'm going to interview because, you know, in all honesty, I love the podcast that I do listen but I find when you are kind of in a particular niche or in a particular industry and they're a podcast similar to yours, then you generally do hear a circulation of the same people being interviewed. And it's really important to me that I bring some fresh perspectives to the table so we can just get some new ideas about how to go about creating success for ourselves. And this chat was absolutely no exception to that. So today I'm talking to Nick from the Scram Line. He is a wholehearted, big personality and also an incredibly talented, not only influencer and creator, but baker. And Nick has created the Scram Line, which is a YouTube channel and his Instagram and a blog, which is all about creating wonderful art through the talent of baking. So Nick has really thought outside the box and he doesn't just do your stock standard like baking cakes or baking cupcakes or even just your general cooking stuff that you generally do see on YouTube. He really, really adds his own flavor. He adds his own inspiration, which is often through music and through being a part of the LGBT community. His work is absolutely incredible. I will give you a word of warning though. If you do check him out, which I 
obviously recommend you do for the inspiration. Make sure you've got some snacks on hand because your blood sugar is going to rise. You're going to get hungry. Your mouth is going to salivate and you are going to need some sugar because what he makes is delicious. Not only is it creative, but it's delicious. So I'm going to stop talking now about how delicious Nick's work looks and just let you jump in to the interview so that you can hear all about not only how he has grown his audience to almost half a million on YouTube, but he engages a community like no other. His fans absolutely adore him and he does the same for them. So get ready to get some golden nuggets of wisdom for how you can really, really start to grow a large and engaged community just by being vulnerable being authentic and being yourself. Welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am so excited to, first of all, introduce you to my audience because you have such an incredible, not only YouTube channel, but Instagram, um, but you also have such an amazing story. So I'm very, very excited to share about your personal brand. I must admit- I'm so excited. So sorry. So excited to actually be on because I love your podcast. Ever since I met you, I hopped on. I love podcasts and you're actually really fun to listen to. So I'm excited to be on. Oh, thank you so much. I really, really yeah. appreciate that. But um, honestly, so if you don't know Nick, you definitely need to get out and have a stalk as soon as you listen to this podcast. I must admit, have some sweets by your side because what Nick does <laughs> is delicious and he has made me crave sugar like no tomorrow. But I mean, would you mind? Negative side effect. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be here, maybe just meeting you for the first time. Do you want to give you a little bit of a spiel? What did, what do you do with your channel and your Instagram and with your brand and your business? Yeah. So um, this grand line is kind of like an online brand I built. It started off as a food blog. I don't know if anyone watched um, Julia and Julia with Meryl Streep. Yes. Around that time that movie came out, everyone started a food blog, including me. So the Grand Line started off as a food blog and then once YouTube started becoming big, uh, I started getting into video and I just wanted to give it a go because it looked like a lot of fun and things just kind of started from there. Uh, I, I started working in a bakery and I got into pastries and the Grand Line kind of evolved into um, – Something that I that that is a celebration of design, pop culture, and pastries. Yeah, that's so. And were you doing? I think I read you were doing graphic design before, mm-hmm. at some stage before you started. Was that before you started yeah. the blog or during? So I started. I, I studied graphic design for about three years after I left high school. So that was way before the Scrand Line, and 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 I, I went and worked in a design studio. Um, hated sitting down at a desk all day um, and and went and studied uh, I went and studied fitness didn't really like it went into the navy I lasted seven weeks and then uh, I used kind of all those skills minus the fitness um, but the design skills the pastry skills to make you know what I do on the screen line I love that so much and that's such a great lesson for so many people who are maybe trying to find their passion in life. Do you agree that it's just about doing, it's about trying things until you get to that point where you find something and all of those tries will one day add to what you end up doing? You have literally, yes, I agree with that 100%. I wish that someone had told me one day all of this stuff will lead to something. When When I went and studied graphic design, I... I fell in love with it. And graphic design is something that's never left me. It's in my blood. 
Um, but being a graphic designer in a traditional sense is something that didn't suit me, sitting at a desk and being told to be creative every day. Um, and then, you know, I've been studying since I left high school and it's been about a decade of studying different things or trying new things to see what my actual purpose in life is. Um, but, you know, all of these things that I did study in the end have come to kind of be used on this one platform that I've created, uh, which started off on YouTube and has led off to, you know, other things like, you know, other platforms and uh, creating videos for, you know, uh, brands and stuff like that. So I, I didn't foresee this happening. I wish I, someone could have told me my future, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but the point is I, I can, I think that a lot of people when, especially when they're younger or they've left high school or they're in uni, if you're feeling frustrated with what you're studying and if, for me, I follow my gut instinct and it can be difficult sometimes to do that. Um, my gut instinct told me that being a graphic designer in a studio wasn't for me. And I was kind of devastated when I realized that because that's what I was set on doing. Um, but if you feel that something is doesn't feel right or it's not for you, keep looking uh, for, for what that thing is because I feel like, you know, I don't know about you, Erin, but I've sat on a train at 5 p.m. every single day for a couple of years around a whole bunch of miserable-looking people. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. I want to love what I do because it's, it's true the saying, you know, when, when you love what you do, it doesn't really feel like work. As difficult as some days can be with my job in particular, there's a lot of work to do. It's always creatively challenging. So, yeah, my, my advice would be keep looking if you haven't found what you're meant to do. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't mind me asking, because that's such an incredible um, piece of advice for particularly people who are, there's a lot of students in my audience and there's a lot of people who are working a nine to five and really just want to get out of it and do something for themselves. From yeah. starting the blog, so from we very, very first started the blog, how long did it yeah. take you to actually make this a full-time thing? So it's it, it took me a couple of years, but it took me a couple of years of giving it a go, then leaving it. Like I didn't try it full time. Like, yeah. yeah, I wasn't consistent. So consistency came along. I, I, I do have a, I, I've got so many stories, but I don't want to, you know, this, this is going for hours and hours, but I, I will tell you one story that was kind of a turning point for me. Um, I, around the time that, I had a job in a bakery and I went, I was there for two years and it was a great team, but the bosses were horrible, horrible people. Um, and so I ended up leaving that job. Um, I, I wanted to go do some traveling. So I'd always want to go to America. I went to America. I went to something called VidCon. I don't know if you've heard of VidCon, Erin. Yeah, like I was a, at the showing VidCon here. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So for those of people who don't know, VidCon is like a big YouTube conference and everyone's there. It's great. Um, but I met a company or some people from a company called Tastemade and Tastemade make food content. So uh, I met these guys. I came back home. I ended up getting a job in a vegan bakery, hated every second of it. Um, and I ended up having like kind of a, a midlife crisis, um, <laughs> which <laughs> I just turned 32 a couple months ago. Uh, so 
so my midlife crisis was this, to pack everything I owned in my car, leave a note for my mum and drive to Sydney because I live in Melbourne. I didn't tell, I didn't, I didn't plan it. It just happened within a couple hours. Oh my gosh. So halfway to Sydney I realised it was probably not a great idea but I just kept going and I got to Sydney and lived in my car for two weeks. Um, I came back, tail between my legs, completely defeated. And one of my friends, whose name is Maggie, who was my boss at the, the bakery that I used to work at and now is one of my mentors, um, she said to me, that, that super cliche question, what would you be doing if money wasn't an issue? Yeah. And I wanted to kind of break down in tears because all I've wanted to do is be a YouTuber for so long. Um, so I just decided to give it a proper go. And it can be difficult because money always comes into the picture. I mean, at the time I was li- I went back and lived at home, so it was easier financially for me to take that risk. Um, but that was my turning point when I thought, it, this is truly what my heart wants, give it a proper go. And I did give it a go and and by luck it ended up being mildly successful. <laughs> So I know you say by luck, but surely I think you're you're so creative, and the the content that you put out is so amazing. Yeah. So it must have been a lot of <laughs> when you decided to go full force. That must have been a lot of work in the beginning. And I think I mean, what is your best advice for someone who is making that decision now, whether it is on YouTube or as an entrepreneur? Like for yeah. those beginning years, when you just say like you know fuck it, basically, like, this is what I want to do. Like, what's your yeah. advice for that position? So I, I think um, the reason I say luck is because even if you are talented or you've got, a, a, you've got something to say to the world, oftentimes people can find it difficult to be motivated or to keep at something and uh, they can find it difficult to find ways to be, like, discovered or build an audience. So my, my advice is... The thing is, for what I do, I create food videos on online. So I'm not the first person to do that. There are loads of people doing that. And there's loads of people making cakes online. And they pretty much, they all look the same. So my advice is find your voice. Find what you can do different to everyone else. Or if someone's already doing something, find a way to do it better or um it's about finding your voice and being original. The the word original is something, it's it's part of my kind of um, commandments. And and if you're original, you're more likely to be, to, to find more success because you're doing something different than everyone else. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people making cupcakes online. Uh, I found a way to make cupcakes inspired by Gaga or Beyonce, or you know, a number of different queens. Um, so I use I use what what inspires me, what my experiences in life are. Um, you know, I'm I'm gay, I'm part of the LGBT community, so I use that as part of my brand to inspire yeah. me, but also as part of my brand message. So it's all about finding what inspires you and being original. Don't look at what everyone else is doing. Um, just use what inspires you and use that to be creative. That's so amazing. And I'm so glad you said that because that's something that we talk about so often here on the show is that differentiation piece. Like there are a thousand one entrepreneurs coming online. You have to find a way to separate yourself from the crowd. Right. And 
you've done that so amazingly. But also what I think you've done really well from everything that I've seen of you is have this amazing kind of mix between, you know, entertaining and informational content where you are baking and making cakes, but then also giving your audience this peek into your life and, you know, who you are as a person. And as you just said, you know, being openly gay and talking about all of, you know, your family. I know I saw your Yaya's food story as well. That was amazing. Like in your opinion, how has that personal content added to the development of your brand? It's been important because another very, very short story. Um, When I, I mean, it's not really a story, but when I was younger, I was in high school, deeply, deeply closeted, deeply introverted. I was afraid to listen to music on my headphones in case someone else heard me listening to uh, Christina Aguilera and, and accused me of being gay. Um, so since then I've become a a flaming homosexual and super, super proud, um, of being part of the LGBT community. And I have completely come out in all, all kind of levels and senses of the word. Um, I, I think for me, it's important as part of my message to be authentic and, uh, you know, I'm a massive fan of Tyler Oakley and one of the things he says is live your truth. Um, You know, RuPaul has the same message. And I think that's really, really important because, again, it's part of being original and being uh, authentic. People want to see that. Um, You know, I love to share with my audience the music I'm listening to, my opinions on certain things, and that in the last couple of years have become more and more part of my brand. And my audience really responds well to that as well. So I think it's super important. So then a more like technical question, because that's so, so beautiful. And it's such great advice for anyone who is starting out. Do you strategically think about the kind of um, percentage difference between how much personal stuff you share, which is obviously super important for the growth of your personal brand, Mm -hmm. um, between how much baking stuff you share, or is it kind of just intuitive? So, um, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you listen to Hamish Nandy, but I absolutely love Hamish Nandy. And one of the things that Hamish does, um, or for those of you who don't know who Hamish Nandy does, they're a radio duo. Hilarious. Um, they have a podcast too, so if you're in the States, yeah. you can find oh them God. there. <laughs> yeah. So Hamish does this thing where he lives life on, like, feeling vibes. Not not kind of kumbaya, like, hippie vibes, but he'll he'll choose, he'll select something on vibe. So I do the same thing. Like every, every single day we all feel different. Like on one day I'm feeling Gaga, the other day I'm feeling Beyonce, the other day I'm opinionated about teenagers being online and being horrible. Um, so it really, for me, I do things on vibe. I don't sit down and strategically plan out Well, on Wednesday is going to be me posting about Beyonce or anything like that. It's I hop online and I share with my audience um, hey guys, I tried vegan macarons and dear Lord, they're a disaster. <laughs> I, I love sharing all aspects of my life as they're happening within reason, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and I think that's, again, part of being authentic. I don't, I mean, I think you can sit down and be strategic about that stuff, but I choose not to be. I think it's much easier for me to just say, um, today's today's obsession on Instagram stories is um, this Gal Gal song, which I'm obsessed with, or, oh, my God, did you hear about uh, what happened on RuPaul's Drag Race yesterday? 
um, that kind of stuff. So I, I just do everything on vibe. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. that. It's not it's, super strategic. And to be led intuitively, it is such, you know, it, it does come from a, so much more of an authentic place. Yeah. Um, but something that I do notice that you have is the you, your primary YouTube channel and then you've also got a vlogging YouTube channel. Is that something that is more or like a more personal YouTube channel? Is that something that was more recent or did you have those from the beginning? And what would your, so for anyone, this is more of a YouTube question. Yeah. Do you advise having the two or would you start with one? Yeah. So the reason I decided to start the second channel, which I'm not super active on, I think the last video I uploaded was six months ago. Um, The reason I started that is because I found with what the the current environment and climate of YouTube is kind of touch and go at the moment, it's very difficult to, to be a creator on that platform and be successful consistently because everything is changing all the time and there's so much drama so um one of the things that i mean i'm i'm a content creator but i'm also someone that loves watching a lot of content on youtube and i love consistency so when i latch onto a youtube channel that i love i love to to be to subscribe to a channel where i know what content i'm going to be getting um and so i made the decision to start that second channel because I feel putting, for me, putting vlogging stuff on my Scranline channel, which is my main channel, is a mistake. It's, um, the Scranline for me should just be about food and it shouldn't be about, you know, my opinions on uh, how I deal with hate comments or my coming out story. I feel like that is a little bit more personal stuff and uh, uh, that's kind of why I started that second channel. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah the scramline, I just wanted to keep that super consistent on brand. Um, and th- this is kind of off topic to what we're talking about, but I think it's really good for anyone who is starting a blog, a podcast or a YouTube channel. Something that you've mentioned here is that kind of very niche consistency. Uh, do you believe that really helps? Because, you know, your channel is massive. Yeah. You're almost at what half a million subscribers nearly. So <laughs> insane. But do you think yeah. having that very narrow niche consistency helped the growth of your brand in the beginning? I think, yes, in the beginning. And at the moment, uh, I'm going through a couple changes and making some adjustments. I'm still, again, that, that word consistency is important to me. It's another word part of my, uh, like, commandments, if yeah. you will. Um, but I think um, in the beginning, being consistent and being, I don't know if you'd call it narrow, but being consistent like in the beginning it was just cupcakes and then I kind of went on to macarons and then I went into cakes that that has helped me because people know what to expect everything is photographed the same everything every video is kind of built the same so there's an intro then there's the recipe then there's an outro um I think at the moment what I'm realizing is that uh having a little bit more variety is a better way to go for me um so i'm starting to yeah make some changes and make some different style videos still still recipe videos but videos are a little bit more in depth more of what my audience wants to see because one of the things that i've been uh tuned into lately is what my audience wants more of what they want less of and uh that's what i'm starting to pay attention to 
I love that. And just for everyone listening, that what I'm really taking out of that is, yeah, you you know, starting off with something specific and testing the waters a little bit as you can expand sideways, but most importantly, playing off the feedback. Like, yes, of course, we are doing, you know, YouTube channels for ourselves creatively, but it's also really important that there is a two-way street between you and your audience. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Just to take a step back then as well, because when you when you mentioned that you did have um the personal channel as well. And you did talk about things like responding to hate. Mm-hmm. I know you're like so open about sharing your story and you're a very passionate advocate for yeah. the LGBT community. Yes. Um, and I must admit that your open letter to your audience on your website, it literally had oh. me sobbing like a baby. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in the show notes for everyone because it's Bill, not even yeah. just relevant for the community. It's for everyone who is out there, whether it's, anyone trying to chase their dreams and are yeah. maybe, you know, feeling a little bit resistance towards that or getting resistance from the people around you. But anyway, like just, I loved it and everyone Thank needs you. to read it. But aside from that, I would love to just kind of let you free flow here and give your advice to anyone who is struggling to let their uniqueness shine, you know, due to the fact of the fear of discrimination or the fear <laughs> of judgment from either, you know, in their real life family or people online. Okay. Well, now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I, it's such a, it's, it's a very personal thing to me because I yeah. struggled for so long, Erin, like, and my story is not unique to, to the LGBT community. A lot of people experience what I've experienced. A lot of people experience much worse than I experienced. And I think my advice is probably not, you know, it's not just for the LGBT people within the LGBT community. It's for everyone. I mean, an, an immigrant who comes to Australia or to any other country experiences the same kind of hate it, when, when they enter, you know, school, if their family moves to a new country and they're going to a new school, it's a new country, they're a foreigner and they're not the same as everyone else. How do they navigate this world to, to, be, to be able to live as a happy person? It's, yeah. it's really, really difficult. And for me, I can only really talk about my experience. I mean, I, I'm Greek, so I grew up in a town that was very, very Anglo-Saxon, and I was different than everyone else because I had curly hair, um, and I was a wog. Uh, so, you know, I had all these other kids around me, and I was completely different to them. So I got picked on, and it's very, very difficult because – you know, looking back at it as adult Nick, I've come through it, I've survived it, and I've learned a lot of lessons. And because of those experiences, I'm much, much stronger for it. But it's, uh, I mean, to be to be your authentic self, one of the things I found that helped me was surrounding myself with people who were accepting. Um, I think that's really, really important because for me, I grew up in a very religious household Um at one point, you know, we, we'd go to church every Sunday. One Sunday, my mum was out the front of the church with a petition on the table asking people to sign against marriage equality back when I was very closeted. And I signed that petition because I was too scared. I was too scared not to sign it in case she would ask me why I didn't sign it. Yeah. So I, I, um, I think, you know, growing up in that environment, but one of the things that definitely helped me was it was being around people who are accepting, um, being around gay people, um, being around, you know, 
allies of the LGBT community that really, really helped. And then, you know, I eventually, I came out and I think, again, one of the things that a lot of people within the LGBT community experience when they come out is there's this massive weight that comes off your shoulders. And for me, I started listening to Gaga and Christina Aguilera full blast without giving a shit yeah. what everyone thought. And then I started started expressing myself more on social media to the point where I celebrate LGBT um, pride for an entire month every year um, during Pride Month and I want to forcefully uh, uh, to, to bring that message out to my audience. I want to make sure that um, I don't tolerate homophobia. I don't tolerate discrimination of any sort. I mean, my my brand is not just about celebrating the LGBT community. It's about celebrating feminism. Um, you know, the, the majority of the music I listen to is black female artists because of the way they make me feel, like, so empowered. Um, I celebrate people of colour, um, celebrate all different kinds of people. So I think... Um, I think it can be difficult. Everyone goes through a really difficult time, but, you know, as, again, as cliche as it sounds, it does get better. It's about growing up and finding more about who you are and what you want and expressing that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, I love this and I'd love to talk a little bit more about it because the the May Collective community, so, the, so you know, my community online are ex- incredibly diverse, women from yeah. all over the world, um, you know, every continent you can imagine doing amazing things in a somewhat very vanilla industry sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I, I constantly talk about why it's so important to just be yourself and be different because, you know, the world's ready for a change. I, I believe anyway in, in this kind of entrepreneurial industry. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that most of my clients and most of the people that um, maybe are listening are struggling with is the more interpersonal side of things. I think it's really easy to find the support online now but a lot of them aren't getting the support from their their families or the people closest to us is that something that you've experienced going down you know not even just the lgbt side of things but even just the non-traditional um career path side of things is that a struggle you've ever had to dealt with deal with and like how did you go about that uh struggles with uh with my career do you mean like yeah with like your family and like have they supported you know being a youtuber and things like that my family my family's been super supportive of me um i i think i'm very very lucky in that sense um my mum in particular has never said to me you shouldn't you shouldn't pursue art because that's just a dead end and it's very common within the like kind of Greek and Italian community, like, you know, our, our parents and their parents came here to this country and their goal in life was to, they came with nothing and their goal in life was to build something for their family. So they worked really, really hard and um, and they they worked really, really hard and they passed those values down onto their kids and a lot of their kids passed their values down to my generation. Yeah. Um, but mum mum was always supportive of uh, me wanting to study art, I think mum is kind of artistic as well. She does a lot of crocheting and different kind of art stuff. So I think um, I've been lucky in that sense. My family's been very supportive. Mum is 
all over social media. <laughs> so she she was on Pinterest before I knew what Pinterest was. <laughs> so um, she she loves YouTube. She understands YouTube. She's she's very very supportive. So I've been very lucky in that sense. Um, my friends are supportive. They uh, they I mean I have one friend in particular who constantly tells everyone about my YouTube channel, which is awesome. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I've been very lucky in that sense. So I haven't really experienced anything, uh, any kind of, um, obstacles in that sense. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Lucky, lucky. I love that. Um, and then just the, the other step back that I did want to mention is, you know, about the actual, I guess you could say expectancy. No, it's not even the expectancy. It is, it is the online hate to put it, you know, briefly, but what's your, what's your advice for dealing with that? Because I think it's, it's, it's something that's unavoidable if you are going to put yourself out there online. And especially if you're going to put yourself out there online and be extremely vulnerable and extremely different. So for anyone who's wanting to be a YouTuber, a podcaster, a blogger, or even just an entrepreneur in the public eye, what's your advice for dealing with that feedback and that, that hate essentially? I okay well I'll tell you how I deal with it but I don't know if this is good advice but I well, I'm, not thin, advice. <laughs> I'm, I'm not thin-skinned um but because I I have grown up being bullied so I've been able to to deal with that you know growing up I'm I'm okay in that sense but um the the things that really really bother me online are homophobia because again I've I've experienced all of that. Uh, I've never actually experienced really bad homophobia in person in my life, but I experienced it online. Um, but because of the struggles that I experienced in coming out and, you know, kind of being comfortable with who I am, um, you know, a lot of people don't survive that time period in their life. And I did. Uh, I very nearly didn't. But um, I think that uh, for me, when I, when I get hate comments online, I'd say 50% of it is homophobia. The other half of it is kind of just nonsense stuff. Yeah. And um, I, I deal with it in some different ways. It, it depends again, like in the mood, like the mood that I'm in that day. So at one, in one, at one time I was um, responding with random Gaga lyrics <laughs> uh, just, just to kind of, kind of play with their head. Now I think um, something that people hear very often is don't respond to the haters I don't live by that rule. I think um, I like to speak up and give people my opinion. I think um, I do it with respect. My when One of the things I, I kind of learnt and observed very early on being online is if you don't, uh, if you wouldn't say something to someone in person, don't say it online. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem that young people, especially these days, it makes me sound super old, um, but young people these days don't understand that. So I get, you know, the majority of my audience is young and they're young females and I love my audience, but young young people, female or male, um, young people, you know, when you're growing up and you're, in, you're a teenager, you don't have very much control in your life and that's around the time that you want to start getting more control of your life. So... You know, a lot of parents let their kids roam free online, which I think is a huge mistake because young people online don't have that control in their real life. But when they hop online, they feel free to use all the language that they wouldn't be able to use in their real life. 
um, and uh, they they almost become like a different person online. And I think that's super dangerous. So I that's I get a lot of that. So I get a lot of young people just sending random hate or um, just nonsense comments and stuff like that. So the way I deal with, you can pretty much tell when a young person is doing that because it's super juvenile. Yeah. Um, so my response is uh, to either block them, uh, delete comments, or um, if I do respond, it's always in a respectful manner, in a mindful way, because, um, again, like young people, it's kind of difficult to argue with a young person. You shouldn't really do that if you're an adult. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's that's kind of how I deal with it, I think. Um, but, you know, there are times when I get super, super frustrated and annoyed or upset um, and I, I recently just experienced something really, really bad with an online bully um, and it's kind of made me want to stop interacting. I know this is going to sound really bad, but interacting with my young audience because um, I don't want to ever experience something like that again. It was kind of like a, a, a situation that escalated to the point where it shouldn't have. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's difficult. I, my advice would probably be, uh, my advice would probably be what I don't do, which is don't respond. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I don't know, like just kind of deal with it in a respective manner. And I think it's important as well to kind of understand people who do hate or, or people who do post hate comments, something is happening in their life. Like, you know, before I came out, I was homophobic because I was projecting my insecurities on other people within what is now my community. And people who are projecting their insecurities do it in lots of different ways. One of those is to post hate comments online. So, you know, rebelling and, uh, and you know, responding in a negative way doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Um, so you always need to be mindful of that. Yeah, I love that. And so just having yes. an entire perspective of the situation, but I love that you really touched upon, you just like don't know what's going on in the other people's lives. And I mean, yeah. being a teenager sucks. Like let's just all yes. admit being a teenager does <laughs> absolutely suck. And, you know, we didn't have Facebook or, you know, YouTube when we were young teens. So you know, oh, God. we learned yeah. to just suppress maybe some of our <laughs> anger. And now that there, there is an open playing field for it to come out. So just like understand that, the other person might be struggling in their life and yeah. I agree maybe. Um, but yeah. I do like the Gaga one. <laughs> I think that's hilarious because when, when you respond with a Gaga, the one that I was responding with was one of her songs, I Live for the Applause. Mm-hmm. So I'd get hate comments and my response would be, I live for the applause. And they I don't know what was going on, on on their end, but I never got a response to that because they probably thought, what? the hell like this is not what I this is not why I wrote this comment I wanted a different response so um yeah I I, I had fun doing that <laughs> I, I must admit there have been times where I've like uh because that's something I used to do to my I have an older brother when I was younger he used to be horrible to me and I would just always respond with like random things like he would say really mean things and I'd be like coffee cup and just like <laughs> and I'm like I've always wanted to do that of mine, but I was like, oh, I better not. <laughs> Don't poke the bear. <laughs> you know what, Erin? I'm going to start using that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if, 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 like, you're super annoying, you just like highlighter. 
Um, but anyway, so to, to change it up a little bit, because that was such great advice, but yeah. I, you are so incredibly creative and talented. And I really want to touch upon, you know, how do you stay inspired to create such unique content? You know, I, I know particularly because a lot of people are in my audience who are coaches and entrepreneurs. Yeah. I know their port of call for inspiration is to often look at what other people in the industry are doing, but I feel yeah. like you have a really kind of outside of the box perspective on where to get inspiration from. So if you can kind of walk us through how you stay inspired. Yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's both a good thing and a mistake to look at what other people are doing. Like it's good to look at what other people are doing to see what not to do. Cause again, I like to be original. Um, so I look at what others have done so I can make sure I don't do that. Yeah. But that I mean that in a creative sense, like when it comes to designing a cupcake or whatever, I don't want my work to look like everyone else. That's one of the things that's really, really important to me. Um, I like to look at what others are doing just to kind of, it's a good way to keep in touch with your community and your industry to see what's happening. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but mimicking or copying what other people are doing in the hopes of finding the success that they've found is a huge mistake. Um, it doesn't work. There's only going to be one Oprah. There's only going to be one Beyonce. There's no, there's no reason to, to try and be the second Beyonce or Oprah. Yeah. Um, so I guess one of the things, the biggest source of inspiration for me is music. Yeah. I love, love, love music. And I, I work on my own all day. Um, and so my, the way I keep myself company is with music and podcasts. Um, podcasts keep me informed with what's happening in the world or make me laugh or, you know, educate me. Um, and music kind of, it just really feeds your soul. And, you know, that's what it does for everyone. Um, but music is my biggest source of inspiration. I use my skills as a designer to come up with designs, but music is kind of the soul of what I come up with. And so, for example, um, one of the things I've really, really loved in the last year and I've become obsessed with is RuPaul's Drag Race. I've... Um, yes. <laughs> I, I, just, I just love that show so much. And to the point where I, I've immersed myself more and more into that kind of culture yeah. uh, to the point where I actually have a drag queen alter ego on my channel. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, so one of the things from that show that I really, really love is the music that they have on that show. So there's a particular song. Um, it's, a, it's from a drag queen with who I really love, Alaska. Can I swear on this? Yes, okay. of course. <laughs> okay. um, Alaska Thunderfuck. And Alaska is, uh, the way I describe Alaska, for those of you who don't know, she's kind of like very LA girl, kind of gross, but super, super freaking talented. Um, and she makes great music as well. Um, so one of her songs is called This Is My Hair because she's, I guess, been a cute. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Of, uh, 
not having real hair, even though it actually isn't her hair. She always wears <laughs> wigs. But but this song is meant to be funny and it's supposed to be a pop and a dance song and it just sounds really, really good. Um, that song is um, the lyrics are, this is my hair, I don't wear wigs. And um, she says, I'm a naturally, I am a natural platinum blonde, which no one is a natural platinum blonde. <laughs> um, so... I took those lyrics after hearing that song about 50 times yesterday um, and I'm making a, a this this is my hair I don't wear wigs cupcake and that that's the that's the kind of caption I'm going to use on Instagram but the cupcake is going to be called platinum blonde cupcakes and so the other day I was I was shopping and I found um, I don't know if you know what Persian fairy floss is no it's not like it's not fluffy Fairy floss, that's the regular fairy floss. Persian fairy floss looks like hair. And the one I found is white. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to form part of the platinum blonde cupcake. And that is inspired by that song. So, you know, sometimes it might be inspired by the lyrics of a song. It might be inspired by the artist. It might be inspired by their music video or the outfits they wear. Um, It might be inspired by the title. I have a series uh, of cakes, macarons, and cupcakes on my channel called Highway Unicorn, and that's directly inspired by a, a Gaga song. Um, so music is my biggest inspiration for for how I come up with my ideas. But see, that's the thing. Like, that's what inspires me. But other people might have other things that inspire them. You know, the thing is, like, you can say an accountant is not a creative person, but they have to be creative to be able to jumble up numbers and and kind of come up with solutions to to tax stuff. So they've got creativity. Everyone has a sense of creativity. You know, architects might be inspired by shapes. I'm inspired by music and pastries. Everyone is inspired by something different. So use what inspires you. Like you might be inspired by knitting. So use that as a source of inspiration for something yeah that's so amazing and there's a really great Marie Folio quote to just interject here you know clarity does come from action not thought so finding your muse finding your inspiration don't sit there with a pen and paper and being like oh what can I be inspired by experience life and you'll just get this fully sense of flow and creativity and then you found your muse you found your thing and I'm much the same music is the same for me anyone who's ever received a newsletter with you know (laughs) the queen lyrics to don't stop me now being an analogy for being resilient in business they know that uh, music for me as well is um but that's so amazing yeah everyone just get out there and experience life and pull creativity from creative places exactly exactly Um, and everybody has that you might think that you don't have it but everybody has that in them everybody is inspired by something I love that. It's just about finding what works for you. And I mean, yeah. that's the same with authenticity and finding your voice. It, it It's all about action. It's all about just trial and error and you will eventually find your way, but you've just got to start the journey. That's right. I love it. So just to, um, one, I got a couple of little questions before we do jump into my fun game. First thought, mm-hmm. but I would love to, first of all, hear your perspective on monetization for influencers. So I know yeah. that, you know, a big part of the way that you make your, you know, income and that you do this full time is, you know, being an influencer. 
Yeah. For anyone who's trying to get into this space, because a lot of the entrepreneurs who are listening to this are also mm-hmm. wanting to be an influencer as well. What yeah. do you, when do you feel is the right time to really start monetizing your personal brand, you know, working with brands, even self-monetizing, creating products and things like that? Like, should you start straight away or wait to a certain stage? I think, um, when a brand, I, I get brands approaching me. So that's how it all kind of started for me. Um, and there's a lot of brands that I kind of reject because for me, I think part of being authentic is is being authentic with brand stuff as well. So if I get approached by a brand that makes emoji pillows, I don't think that my audience wants that. And even if they do, I don't want that. And what I want is more important than what anyone else wants because I know my brand better than anyone else. So when I'm selecting brands, it's about being authentic. If it's a brand that I know of and I love and use, then I think it's an awesome fit. So when it comes to um, how how to monetize yourself or when to monetize yourself, um, I think, I mean, creating creating an Instagram account and having a couple followers, it's not the best time for you to start approaching brands because brands want like brands want reach. Yeah. How many, how many people can they reach through your brand? Um, and who can they reach through your brand? So the majority of my audience is young females. And so, uh, for example, working with an alcohol brand is not probably a good idea. Um, so I guess for me, I think it's kind of difficult because I just, I didn't really think too much about monetizing my brand when I started it. It was more about having fun and being creative, um, which it still is. And I think um, I I started thinking more and more about brand work when I started getting brands approaching me. So that's one way that I monetize my my work. Um, You know, and then I create original content for Tastemade as well. So that's another way. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of difficult to answer that one because I can only really speak about my experience. But I think I think my probably my one bit of advice would be like focus on building your audience first. Once you've got a good level of engagement, you you start getting people commenting, people are giving you great feedback, and they're asking for more or they're asking for. Um, they're making requests for different type of content. Um, that's a good time for you to say to a brand, I've got something to offer um, and, and start having those conversations with brands. That's yeah. the best time to start monetizing your work. I think that's like the best lesson that I can pull out of that for everyone that is listening because the thing that I see so many people potentially doing wrong because there are so many people thriving online, you know, getting paid to create stuff is that that's why they start when everyone that I've spoken to and asked this question to, they've all said the exact same thing and it's just do it for yourself first, focus on the creativity, focus on the engagement and the opportunities come. Like, yes, you can actively pursue things, but in my opinion, if you were going to actively pursue anything, it should be collaborations and ways to get your audience, your content in front of new people rather than trying to get that income straight away. But it does come. It's all about patience. (laughs) That's exactly right, Erin. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when when I decide to hit the follow button on an Instagram account, it's because I I look at their work first. Because for me, 
I'm a little bit selective about who I follow because I like to see stuff in my feed that I know I'm going to like. I don't want to see people's random food photos. Um, I like to see a lot of creative people's work. So one of the people whose work I follow, I can't remember, her, her account is Studio Michi, and she's an African-American um, young woman who is a big girl. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but but her whole brand is about being uh, being having body positivity. Yeah. And that is really authentic because that that's her that's her life that's the, that's what makes her happy about you know spreading that message to her audience and also living her authentic life that way and being happy with who she is um obviously everyone is different so you know some people are skinny some people aren't and she she's happy spreading that message and that's great and she's a super colorful creative person and she gets approached by brands like mcdonald's or Starbucks because she's got a bit of a quirkiness about her. She's got a really unique sense of style and creativity. And so she has these brands coming to her and saying, we want, we want to, we want to be a part of what you're about. That that's really, really important. Like again, like the word authenticity keeps coming up. That's so important when you're considering working with brands because um, I think I think that's what brands want more and more of. Like one of the things that one of the conversations, I, one of the first conversations I have with brands is um, you guys give me an idea of what you want, but I'm going to take control of this car. Like yeah. because, and they, they let me do that because them taking control and, taking control of a project and then we post that thing on my social media, people can tell straight away that's not what Nick is about. That's not the kind of thing that Nick would do or say. So it's not authentic. And um, that's another thing you need to consider with brands or selecting brands. Which are the ones that are going to really love what you're about and which are the ones that are going to want to advertise something that's not authentic yeah. Um, so that's something you should really consider with, you know, working with brands. I love this. And it's been such a pleasure talking to you because honestly, everything that you've said is so what we're about here on the Erin May Henry show, constantly talking about being authentic, being vulnerable, yeah. differentiating yourself in some way. And the way that it sounds to me that the way that you've built, not only your income, but your online impact and just a life that you are you know, so happy to wake up to every day all comes particularly from those three things. So for anyone listening who is really just starting their journey and really trying to get out there, just be like, it sounds so cliche and it's almost painfully Mm. simple to hear, but just being yourself can go such a long way. It gets you paid. It makes you happy. And and I think, I think, you know, Erin, it's difficult in the beginning because like every big step that you take in life, taking that first step is really, really difficult. It can be, um, it can be scary. It can be intimidating. You can have all these thoughts in your head about doubt and you're never going to make it or anything like that. You might not make it. I didn't think that I would. I, and that's why I say that I, I experienced luck to be able to, to be able to do what I do. Um, so I think, um, I think taking those first steps, you can take that first step, but also be realistic about your expectations because often it takes time to build 
on authentic brands. You know, when I first started, the very first video on my YouTube channel, it looks like I was Mike Pence. For those of you who don't know who Mike Pence is, he's like a robot politician. Um, but it looked like I was afraid to smile. There was no personality. Um, that first video is so horrible. <laughs> but it's I've come so far. And it's about that journey and constantly evolving and trying new things, seeing what works, what doesn't work. That it's It's about that journey. Don't come into it with the expectation that, you're going to wake up with the same amount of followers as, you know, Kim Kardashian tomorrow. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. You might have 400,000 followers on Instagram and you might have the, the loveliest, most engaged audience and another person might have 400,000 followers and they get a couple hundred likes mm. uh, with very little engagement. So come into it with the expectation that you're going to have fun, that you're going to, you know, that you're just doing this for fun. Don't come into it with the expectation that this is um, your last chance in life to make it and you're coming into this to make money. It just doesn't work that way. I love that. And the fun yeah. part is so important. So one of one of my commandments is if it's not fun, it's not worth it. Like That's you might as well fun. get a, a, you know, a safe job um, and do something else. So just have fun. Yeah. I think it makes the journey so much more rich. That's right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right. That's such a beautiful note to end on. Um, but I do have my little game, if that's okay. So yes. it is called First Thought. It's just a bunch of random questions that really don't mean anything, but you need to try answer as soon as I ask okay. them. So the very first thing that comes to your mind, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the question, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Lord, this might get me in trouble. <laughs> I promise there's nothing incriminating here. Are we ready? Okay. Yes. If you were a flavor, what flavor would you be? Chocolate. Mm, yum. Yeah. <laughs> if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Oh, um, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you have? I I don't know flying. I don't, but I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> flying, but I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. There's so many different ones to choose. Being invisible is cool. Being fast, uh, yeah. <laughs> so pretty much anything that does has to do with transportation. <laughs> yes, I love yes. it. Yeah. If you had to give up one, what would you rather give up? Sugar or YouTube? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> You know what? My audience keeps on asking me who would I choose, Gaga or Beyonce, and I get so angry because it's so unfair. I'm not choosing one of those. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If you could spend one day with one celebrity, who would you choose? Okay, so you'd think I would say Beyonce, but if I met Beyonce, I'd fall into a puddle of emotion on the floor. So I think... Gaga is someone who inspires me and I wouldn't be so intimidated that I couldn't have a conversation with her. Yeah. Sorry, I know that's not a quick answer, but yeah. No, that's okay. It's a great answer. She's an amazing <laughs> conversationalist. Have you watched her documentary? It's awesome. I have. I just <laughs> love Gaga, yeah. How would you describe the colour yellow to someone who is blind? Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> I think yellow is just so bright and colourful and it makes people pay attention. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you online? (laughs) Online? 
Well, we're lucky we can swear on this channel because I I love Nicki Minaj and yeah. she has a song called Truffle Butter. Love it. You don't know what Truffle Butter is, Erin. What it actually is? I'm or not like telling what it you what Truffle sexually. Butter is. And I don't recommend anyone Google it. And if you do Google it, I warned you. But I called, I made macarons and I called them truffle butter. <laughs> and the comments that followed immediately afterwards were horrifying. Oh, my <laughs> so God. I took the- that video down immediately. <laughs> um, I can't tell you what it means. I don't want to say the words. <laughs> uh, no, that's all right. I'm pretty sure yeah. I know. That was like the other day when I was making a cocktail in my video and I kept saying, it's got a zesty rim. And my partner was like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> You know what? I feel like that should be the name of a cupcake. <laughs> a zesty rim. <laughs> All right, this is getting a little too dirty. We do have some, uh, some underages in the audience. So thank you so much. Yeah. That was absolutely incredible. It was so lovely to chat to you and just to hear your story about, you know, vulnerability, authenticity, and how you've grown an incredible brand Thanks, from that. Yeah. So anyone who is not a following Nick already, then please do check out the Scram Line on YouTube and you are the Scram Line on Instagram as well, aren't you? Yes, I am. Awesome, um, awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I apologise to anyone who might have thought I was ranting too much and if you got to the end, congratulations. <laughs> but honestly, if you, if you are going to do one thing following this, then please, I'm going to leave the link to your open letter to your audience in the show notes. Please do go read that because it is going to be the most inspiring thing that you read and it just really is I, I say a message to just go full force put yourself out there because you know Erin the fact that you read that letter makes me really believe that you did stalk me <laughs> oh I did don't worry fully Which is really, really nice it's nice it's a nice quality all right everyone thank you so much for listening and i will see you next time so that was my chat with nick i hope that you enjoyed it i just wanted to go through and pull out some of the notes that i took and just really give a bit of a conclusion about some of the points that were made because i think there were some excellent pieces of advice and nuggets not particularly just for youtubers and bloggers and influencers but also for entrepreneurs so the first one really being that you know, to find your passion, it's not just going to be a one day thing. You're not just going to think your way into finding the perfect career or idea or niche for you. It's going to be an evolution and a journey. So keep trying things. I created a video about how to go about finding the perfect career for you uh, at the end of last year. And it's so important that you try new things. You are never going to think your way into clarity. You can't just sit at your computer looking on Pinterest and you think that you are going to find the perfect idea for you. Start trying new things. Anything that sparks your fancy or tickles your pickle, whatever you want to say, go out there and try it. And you might find that you hate it or you might find that it is your absolute life passion and your calling. And don't be afraid to evolve and grow as you go along. I know that You know, we talk a lot about consistency and it seems very contradicting because one of the points that I am even going to mention here is having consistency, but there's no point doing something that you hate. There's no point just sticking with something if it doesn't feel like it's authentic to you. So you can change things up. And then when you find it, that's when you go full force on the consistency. That's when you put every blood, sweat and tear that you have into showing up as often as you possibly can and creating that thing in your own original voice. So keep trying new things and follow your gut. You know, just as Nick said, he really was disappointed in himself that he was going to be quitting his graphic design, but it was his gut instinct, intuition, and it led him to this amazing place where he's waking up every single day passionate about what he, what it is that he does. So listen to that gut because as the quote says, that bitch knows what's up. Find your voice 
and find how you can be different. I talk about this all the time, so I'm not going to really go into this point, but it's so important to be original. It's so important to take these concepts that you are learning about your niche or what your business has to offer and you put your own little spin on it. What are your interests? What are the other things that you like and how can you infuse them into your brand and business to really, really make it original and to make it different from what everybody else is doing? Because I promise you that is the only way that you're really going to be able to stand out and grow online. You know, there's, I couldn't even tell you how many YouTubers there are online or bloggers or entrepreneurs or influencers. If you want to carve out your own space to create a community that's loyal, engaged and to create opportunities for yourself, you have to be different. This is something that I spend honestly so much time with my clients on pulling out all of those little unique characteristics, values, opinions about themselves and learning how to infuse them into their work. And that is why what I do with my clients is so successful because it's all about creating originality. Live your truth and share your opinions. I think that is just so important. And again, that's another piece of that differentiation factor. Speaking your opinions and living your truth is naturally going to help you to differentiate yourself and just to be unique and authentic. Whatever your opinions are inside, yes, if you share them, they might offend some people. Yes, you might get repercussions from them, but at least you're not sitting on the fence. At least you're not just being a kind of nice person for people to follow because, you know, you've got great content as in high value. People are going to love you so much more if there are people that also hate you. I know that's a really, really hard concept to wrap your head around, but there, you know, just as we spoke about in the last episode, if you really, really want to be a thought leader, you have to have an opinion. And part of that is sharing your truth. What's in your heart, talking about the things that you value and the things that you are thinking about, whether or not people are going to always agree. Another really, really good point that Nick made, and I'm actually going to do an entire podcast episode on this, but it was the point about letting your content be guided intuitively. Now, there needs to obviously be a fine synchronization between you actually planning your content because you don't want to fall behind, but then doing a lot of things intuitively. Now, I find this you know, a very interesting topic because it's something that I do a lot in my business and with my content. I am very, very intuitive with how I connect with you all, the content that I put out across the various platforms. And that is something that is kind of hard to teach, but I'm going to do my best to really bring to you an episode where I can teach you how to let your intuition guide your content, but also be planning and ahead and batching content and things as well. So please do stay tuned for that episode because that is going to be coming up. And I thought that was an excellent point that Nick made. Obviously, consistency is key. And again, just like I said before, yes, you might change and evolve as you go along. But once you do find that thing that you are passionate about, go full force with it. Be as consistent as you possibly can. Don't let anyone else influence you or any opinion sway you away from the decision that you've made. Just stick with it and one day you will be rewarded. Something also that's really important is to find your tribe. Like I've spoken about this so much. So again, I'm not going to go into in depth with it, but if you really want to grow and evolve, you need people around you. We know that we are the sum of the people that we spend the most time with. And if you want to be successful, you need to be spending time with successful, supportive, amazing, unique people. You know, 
people who are just living their truths and speaking from their own unique voice. Those are the people that are going to lift you up and inspire you. And I think one of the best ways, if you aren't getting that in your, you know, everyday real life from your family and the people around you is to connect with people online. I've got an entire YouTube video on this. It's how to network online. And I talk about specifically how you can start making friends. I honestly wouldn't be where I was today if it wasn't for my online community and the friends that I have made because you know, voice notes go a long way each and every single day when I'm feeling bad, when I'm feeling good, it's just great to have someone that I can connect with. So definitely build and find your tribe. The last little point that I did want to make, and this is probably more specific to people who are trying to be influencers or start a YouTube channel or a blog or a podcast of some sort. It's really, this is such, this is a point that I hear all the time, but honestly, until I had the conversation with Nick, I didn't really know how to articulate it as a teaching point. It's not going to work if you're in it for the money. If you are starting a YouTube channel because you want to work with brands and get paid, or if you're starting a blog because you want to make money from advertising, it's not going to work if that is your core intent. Money is not enough like to drive you to consistently show up and create content and be creative and be original. You have to be in it for you. You have to love what you do or else it is just another job. You might as well go get a nine to five. Honestly, it is so much more feasible. If you're in YouTube for the money and the freedom, I guess, then, you know, that isn't going to work there. There are other jobs out there that you get freedom. Be a mystery shopper. I don't know. Honestly, there are so many more things that you could be doing that are so much less risky if you are just in it for the money. Do it for the creativity first and then the money will come. I promise you that if you are consistent, if you create good quality content and that you engage properly with your audience and that you just enjoy what you're doing and you do all of the other tips that we've spoken about here today, the money will come. But you have to be in it because you love it, not just because you want to get paid. So that is it for me. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you do definitely go check out Nick. As I said, his channel, his Instagram, it is all the most delicious thing that you've ever seen, but it's also really inspiring because it's super, super creative. I'm also going to leave the link to his letter, his open letter to his audience, because it probably is one of the most inspirational things that I have read lately. And it really is going to inspire you to just live and speak your truth and to let your authentic self shine. Thank you so much for sticking around today. I really, really, really appreciate you. I'll see you soon. So that is it, my dear friend, for today's episode. I really, really hope that it was valuable to you. I really hope that you got some information that you can take away to really start growing a profitable and memorable personal brand and just show up for life being unapologetically yourself. I would be super, super grateful if you could take just a couple of moments of your time to leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. I really appreciate you listening today. Thank you so much. And I will see you in the next episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.